So curiously, at the end of our confession and forgiveness, there's kind of almost a paraphrasing of John 3.16, which is what uh, my sermon is mainly about today. I don't know if you've ever heard John 3.16 in your life, um, but it's pretty popular. It's been around for a while now. Um, and it's uh, a, a verse that I think is a powerful and meaningful verse for many of us, but I think it becomes more powerful when we place it in the context of which it was said. So we'll be doing that today. But first, we will get to our cure and praise song. Our story today comes from the Gospel of John. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no no one can do these things that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I say to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Here ends our reading. Well, good morning. It is good to be here here with all of you today. I've had a couple questions about the shoes. And I would just like to reassure you, the Chucks will be back next week. Or disappoint, I don't know. Um, But right after worship, I am headed to a wedding uh, wedding shower by my fiancé's family. And I thought, for my future in-laws, I will wear heels. So that's the story behind the heels. And I've only rolled my ankle twice today, so hopefully it ends there. Um, I was excited to be able to preach this morning with, uh, or with all of you because I really like this story. I like this story of Nicodemus. It's one of my favorites, actually, um, in the Bible. And I feel like it doesn't get read very often um, or heard very often. And so I like that I get to preach it today. I like the story for many reasons, but the first one is that it takes place at night. Now, that's an easy detail to kind of skim over a lot of times. It's one of those things where, like when I'm reading a Bible passage and it talks about all the different locations, I just kind of skim through that part. You know what I'm talking about? And it's one of those details that I often skip 
is like what time of day it's happening. But I, as I was rereading the story again, I noticed that it happened, it took place at night. And I can still remember that feeling of being like unable to sleep at night with deep questions and wonderings about what was going on. Um, some of the times these happened during college when I had no idea what I was going to be doing the rest of my life. Sometimes these happened um, recently in my more, more adult life um, as I am curious of what God is calling me to and what is happening in my life with all the different changes that are occurring. But I think of this mainly when I was growing up as a kid um, going to Bible camp. Now, we went to a place called Camp Wapagasset. Is anyone familiar with Camp Wapo? Mike, high five. Um, it's a great place. It's a ELCA-run camp um, in Amory, Wisconsin. And it was a place that I really formed a lot of my faith. It's how I came to kind of understand what my own faith looks like. Um, and every year, I remember going there for a week and entering into, like, Bible studies, but also playing, like, dodgeball. Um, which totally go together, and um, just really being able to uh, immerse myself in that environment and be around kids that were also interested in spirituality and who God was in their lives. And I always left camp feeling like I'm kind of like a spiritual high, like I had like really dug into it for a week and was ready to go out into the world. But I remember lots of those nights staying awake in my bunk, just laying and staring at those wooden ceilings in very humid, or I guess Wisconsin, uh, summer air, and thinking about the deep questions that I had of who God is in my life and who God is in the world and what I'm supposed to be doing and all of those things and how like the fact that we have God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and how that worked, like there was big questions happening. I probably should have known that I was going to be a pastor back then. But I remember that feeling of it being cold or hot and humid, but it being night and the bugs chirping and stars being seen and just having these deep questions. And so I like that. I like that thousands of years after the story took place, that that's a similarity that I think a lot of us hold. That night is the time for questions. I also like the story because Nicodemus is a leader in the community. He's a Pharisee and a leader of the Jews. Nicodemus is someone that has to, like, that should know, you know? He's one of the leaders that has the knowledge, that has that ranking in society, that should understand everything. And yet he is the one that has all of these questions for Jesus, He's the one wondering what's going on here and what is happening and what God is doing in the world, and he's confused. And I love that with this confusion in the dead of night, he goes to Jesus with it. He doesn't ask like his fellow buddies or he doesn't wrestle with it by himself. He goes to the one who has the answers. He goes to Christ and asks him. And in the midst of his wonderings and his questions and his confusion of what is going on and his misunderstanding of what Jesus is saying, um, Nicodemus asks if he can go back inside of a womb to be born again. And I've never had children, but that sounds uncomfortable. (laughs) And I don't think it's physically possible. And so 
to, for Nicodemus to be so confused and misunderstand what Jesus is saying and still be a leader gives me great comfort personally, but also I think allows all of us to be okay with the fact that sometimes we're going to misunderstand things. And that in this confusion and in this misunderstanding and in this anxiety of what's going on in the world, Jesus, answer, Jesus enters into conversation with Nicodemus. He continues to answer questions, but also just keeps the conversation going and keeps Nicodemus having these questions and wonderings and allows him to continue to say what's on his heart and on his mind. And I love that we have a God who allows us to do that, who enters into conversation with us, who allows us to try and figure it out and allows us to ask questions and be confused and misunderstand and continues to draw us into conversation to wrestle with things and come up with some good conclusions and try and figure out what might be happening in our lives. And finally, I of course love this passage because it includes that verse that we know so well, John 3.16. And I also really enjoy John 3.17, so I'm going to talk about that one too. John 3.16 is probably the most popular verse that we have in our Bibles, I would argue. We see it in a lot of places. It's been used in a lot of artwork. It's hanging up in hospital rooms and in living rooms. It brings great comfort to people. It's probably the most quoted verse I have ever heard. Um, One night at camp, um, Wapagasset, to bring it back a little bit, we had a... um, there was, I think you got candy if you like had a Bible verse memorized. And I think about 400 kids all said John 3.16. Um, <laughs> which by the fifth time, like someone said it, everyone knew it. Um, which was a great night because we all got candy and then stayed up way too late and annoyed our counselors. But I think John 3.16 is so central to us because it is a great summary of our faith. That God so loved the world that he came, that he sent his only son, that we may not perish but have eternal life. If we were to boil down the Christian faith and even the Lutheran portion of it, I think that's a pretty good summary in one sentence of what this is all about. That God so loves this world, the whole world, all of it, every piece of this world that God sent his son to come and not to condemn and not to bring death and the end of things, but to bring new life and flourishing, to bring a rejuvenation of what is happening here. It's beautiful. It is one of, I can understand why it is one of the most popular verses in the Bible, because it's one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. And it's one of the ones that are easiest to hold on to. But I think if we divorce it from the text, if we take it out of the context of this story, I think we might lose some of the beauty that it holds. So quick recap here to give us some context. So Nicodemus, leader of the church, comes to Jesus in the middle of the night and is confused and anxious. He's been a leader in the Jewish faith for a long time, and now there's this new guy this new prophet that's around that seems to be from God because he's doing all these signs. He's turning water into wine. He's healing people. He's doing some things that seem that can only be done by God. And so in this confusion of who Jesus is and what might be happening with the faith and what might be going on in their world, 
Nick, Nicodemus is confused and probably scared and anxious about what is going on. And so he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. They have this conversation, and Nicodemus continues to misunderstand Jesus at every point. He can't seem to figure out the metaphor of being born of the Spirit. He has that weird womb thing. He is confused and asks questions and misunderstands Jesus left and right. And it's within this confusing conversation, it's within all of this wonder and exhaustion and anxiety that we get this beautiful statement of faith. That Jesus ultimately reassures Nick with the most beautiful thing that he can tell him by saying that in all of this anxiety and all of your anxiousness and all of your wondering of what's going on, know that God is here. That God so loves this world that you are in. That God so loves your world. That God sent his son not to end things and not to condemn and not to allow for death and for perish, but to allow for new life, for new regeneration, for eternal, everlasting life. This is the ultimate good news that Nick, I think, can hear in this moment of anxiety and worry, just as in all of our moments of anxiety and worry where we cling to that verse of that John 3.16, knowing that God loves us and that God brings us life, is I think the ultimate comfort that we can have. And I think it's reassuring for two reasons. One, I think it's a reassurance that we get to have questions and we get to doubt and we get to wonder and we get to be confused and misunderstand God all the time. In fact, if we were to perfectly understand God 100% of the time, I would a little bit worry about us. It gives us permission to wonder about what God might be up to, to wonder about the new things that are happening in life, to wonder about what God might be bringing us to, and it allows us to know that we are free to come to Christ with our questions. That Jesus is waiting for us even in the middle of the night when I'm sure he would like to be sleeping, as all of us would probably like another hour of sleep as we lost it last night. That even in those times that we can come to God with our questions and enter into dialogue and wrestle and figure it out together. That God is not someone who is far away from us or is an impending force or someone we should be afraid of or some authority figure that we can never reach. But instead, God meets us where we are. God wrestles with us and answers our questions and allows us to figure out what might be happening. I also think that this is a great verse in reassuring people because it shows us what it means to be saved. Now, um, one of my favorite professors in seminary is named Caroline Lewis. She's at Luther right now, and she is a Gospel of John scholar. So she gets very excited whenever she gets to talk about the Gospel of John. And I could go on for a really long time proving the next statement, but we, you know, we have an hour of sleep to catch up on, so I'll keep it short. But Caroline has found that in her research of John, she has found that the way to be saved according to the Gospel of John, according to John the Gospel writer, is to be in relationship with God. 
That's what being saved means to John. And I think that there is such beauty and such truth in that. Because when I am in real relationship with God and when I feel connected with God and when I feel like we have this open dialogue where I can have questions and wonderings and also share in joy and in sadness and in anger, that's when I feel like I am okay. That I remember that I am loved. That I remember that God has loved this world and has sent his son for us. That when we are in real relationship with someone, like with someone you're really close to, a spouse or a family member or a sibling or a child or just a best friend, when you can have those discussions that include, hey, I'm really mad right now, or I'm really sad, or this great thing happened and I just need you to celebrate with me. It's those relationships that bring us life. It's those relationships that have made us, that have gotten through those rocky points that allow us to remember how loved we are. That even when we mess up and even when we hurt others and even when we take the, make the wrong decision or take the wrong path, that we are still so loved by that other person. And that's who God is. And even better than any of the best relationships we've had. God knows exactly who we are and what we have done, and God continues to just shower us with love to the point that God goes to God's very own death to overcome it and bring us life. God can handle anything that we have done, any emotion that we are feeling, and any part of our life that we want to come to God with. And in fact, God, that's what God wants, is for us to be honest and true and open with who we are, so that we can be in that true, real relationship. These are the times, I think, that we get our ultimate reassurances from God. The times that are difficult. The times where we are mourning or hurting. The times where we are grieving or feeling shamed. Those are the times when we are questioning and misunderstanding God, that God surrounds us even closer that God continues to love us and bring us to new life. And so we are walking through this journey of Lent, these 40 days, and I think this is the time that we may need some reassurance of God's love. This is the time where we get to reflect on who we are in our relationships and our spirituality and time set apart to journey toward that ultimate sacrifice of love of Jesus dying on the cross. Not to, of Jesus dying on the cross to overcome death, to overcome the sting of what death is and instead bring new life. Not to perish, but to have eternal life. This is what God brings. And I think the coolest part of the story and what brings it full circle for me is that if you continue to read through the Gospel of John, which I'm sure all of you have done on a Sunday afternoon, Nicodemus is present at the burial of Christ. He's present at the very end. And I am sure, along with everyone else, Nicodemus is confused and wondering what is going on and has questions and doubts. But I like to think that Nicodemus also has just a little bit of that remembering of this conversation and a little bit more faith in what might be coming next. 
that since this experience with Christ, since this discussion of questions and of wonderings and this outpouring of love, the reassurance that God came to this world to love it, not to condemn it, that Nicodemus might have more hope for what God might be doing through the cross. And so I think we can learn from Nicodemus in this story. We can go to God with questions and with wondering. We can stay up late in the night and call out to him. We can also continue to know that we are in real relationship with God when we come to God with our real selves, with the messiness of who we are as humans, and know that we are loved fully and completely. And may we be brave and hopeful with who we are and what God is doing in this world, knowing that we are loved and that, the, and that the grace of God is always with us. May we know that we have the reassurance that God came into this world to bring life and salvation, not to end things, but to create something new.